I sometimes read uh, public domain books here on Leaves of Glen. And they were written a long time ago, uh, so they're usually uh, racist or sexist or bigoted. Uh, but in there somewhere and all that is a, a story, and that's why those stories are famous. Other times, I read uh, works from independent authors, and they're delightfully not racist, but they might have adult language or adult situations. So that's your warning, uh, but I'm sure you uh, are grown up enough to handle it. Don't write to me complaining. Oh, oh, you... You've stumbled across Leaves of Glen, where I read the hottest public domain books and short stories. This week, we're reading The Life and Adventures of Santa Claus by Frank Baum, a children's book written in 1902. This is the third installment. Uh, let's dive into a little bit about the author. Lyman Frank Baum, born... Uh, May 15th, 1856, and died on May 6th, 1919. He was uh, born and raised in upstate New York. Uh, Baum moved west after an unsuccessful stint as a theater producer and playwright. He and his, uh, he and his wife opened a store in uh, South Dakota, and he edited and published a newspaper. Then they moved to Chicago, where he worked as a newspaper reporter and uh, pu published children's literature. It's a weird jump from newspaper reporter. Coming out with the first Oz book in 1900. And while continuing his writing, uh, among his final projects, he sought to establish a movie studio focused on children's films in Los Angeles, California. Uh, there's been ad uh, uh, adaptations. Uh, the Rankin Bass production uh, was first aired on CBS on December 17, uh, 1985. Uh, when the show premiered, the book was not uh, as easily available, and many Oz fans uh, who only knew the book were surprised to discover that Tingler uh, was not one of Baum's creations. Oh, so true was the character to the author's spirit. This is the only Rankin-Bass Christmas special without a celebrity narrator. Originally uh, broadcast on CBS, uh, the special regularly aired on the Freeform Cable Network. The hell is that? as part of their annual 25 Days of Christmas, along with most of the Rankin-Bass animated Christmas specials. As of 2018, AMC currently airs a special. Weird. I sort of feel like I should watch that. He also made uh, another adaptation as Oz Kids, uh, The Kidnapping of Claus by the Agawas. Uh, Agawas. Is the basis of the Oz Kids video, uh, Who Stole Santa? Which appears to draw no material from uh, a kidnapped Santa Claus. Uh, an adult version of Dorothy Gale tells the story of Santa based on the book to her children and her friends. Weirdly enough, there's also an anime in 1996. Shonen Santa no Debokin. I'm probably not saying that right. Ran for 24 episodes, airing between April 6th and September 21st. I sort of want to see what that involves. I imagine a lot of shouting and running at each other. Uh, he wrote a sequel called The Kidnap Santa Claus. In 1904, a short story called The Kidnap Santa Claus by Baum appeared in the Delinator magazine. It was illustrated by Frederick Richardson, who had also illustrated Baum's uh, Queen Zixi of Ix. Z-I-X-I of I-X. The story deals with Santa's kid. I hate it when people just make up random. It's it's old timey fantasy, just weird names. 
Uh, the story deals with Santa Claus kidnapping by the demons of the caves in an effort to thwart his yearly delivery of toys. However, Claus' assistants uh, complete the task for him and uh, later attempt an unnecessary rescue. My God, I went through all of that and uh, the grandfather clock hasn't struck yet. I got heat in my house. I mean, I'm 47 years old. I'm a day past my birthday. I'm recording this on the next day. And I've got heat in my house. It costs $3,000. Which he's going to bill me for later, so that gives me a a day or two to try and get my act together and uh, move money around to see if I can pay for this thing. But I got heat. And man, that thing's small. The tiny little furnace in my basement taking up not nearly the same amount of space. And it just hers like a kitten, like a hot-breathed kitten, hot-breathed filling my house with its warm, breathy air. Oh, it just kicks on, spins out the heat, and shuts right off, like it didn't do anything. It's just amazing and uh, thoroughly enjoyable. When that baby turned on, I was freezing upstairs, working, and uh, they were downstairs. You could hear them through the vents, shouting, talking men's talk. Kind of wished I could be with them, but I wasn't man enough. When that baby turned on, I was pretty darn happy. Well, with that, let's dive into the story. Well, let's uh, continue on with the second half of the second chapter of the book, uh... This section titled Manhood, uh, and I gave up halfway through. Just too many chapters. uh, Twelve inside the manhood. And uh, just got exhausted. So we're picking up on part six of Manhood. Burp the wickedness of the Aguas. It makes my skin crawl. It's just people leaned heavily on weird names for their fantasy books uh, over a century ago. I must now tell you something about the uh, Aguas, that terrible race of creatures which caused our good claws so much trouble and nearly succeeded in robbing the children of the world of their earliest and best friend. Creepy. I do not like to mention the Aguas, but they are part of this history and cannot be ignored. Well, much like Nazi history. They were neither mortals nor immortals, but stood midway between those classes of beings. The Aguas were invisible to ordinary people, but not to immortals. Ah, They could pass swiftly through the air from one part of the world to another, and had the power of influencing the minds of human beings to do their wicked will. They were of gigantic stature. It had a coarse, scowling countenances, (laughs) which showed plainly their hatred of all mankind. Just fussy faces. They possessed no uh, consciences whatsoever and delighted only in evil deeds. Well, their homes were in Rocky Mountain places, uh, from whence they sallied forth to to accomplish their wicked purposes. It sounds sounds fun. Uh, One of their number that could... uh, uh, that could think of the most horrible deed for them to do was always elected the, the King of Agua. And all the race obeyed his orders. Sometimes these creatures lived to become a, a hundred years old. Not that impressive. I think now in the year 2020, uh, with medical technology, it's uh, people are kind of hitting a hundred on a regular basis these days. So, not as impressive 
Uh, but adorable for the times it was written. But usually they fought so fiercely among themselves that many were destroyed in combat. Yeah, but when they died, that was the end of them. Mortals, eh, we were powerless to harm them, and the immortals shuddered when the Aguas, the get-to-be-a-hundred-year-old Aguas, were mentioned, and always avoided them. So they flourished for many years, uh, unopposed, and accomplished much evil. I am glad to assure you that these vile creatures have long since perished and passed from the earth, but in the days when Claus was making his first toys, they were a numerous and powerful tribe. Ah, one of the principal sports of the Aguas was to inspire angry passions in the hearts of little children uh, so that they quarreled and fought with one another. Uh, they would tempt boys uh, to eat uh, of mm, unripe fruit. They then delighted the pain that they suffered. Oh, they urged little girls to disobey their parents, and they would laugh when the children were punished. Yeah, I do not know what causes a, a child to be naughty in these days, but when the Aguas were on Earth, uh, naughty children were usually under their influence. Now, uh, when Claus began to make children happy, he kept them out of the power of the Aguas, for children possessing such lovely playthings as he gave them had no wish to obey the evil thoughts of the Aguas, uh, tried to thrust in their minds. Therefore, one year, uh, when the wicked tribe was to elect a new king, uh, they chose an Agua who proposed to destroy Claus and take him away from the children. There are, as, as you know, fewer naughty children in the world since Claus came to the Laughing Valley and, and began to make his toys. Uh, said the new king as he squatted upon a rock and looked round at the scowling faces of his people. Eh, eh, why, eh, Bessie Blythesome has not stamped her foot once this month, nor has uh, Mary's brother eh, slapped his sister's face or thrown the puppy, uh, the puppy in the rain barrel, oh, Jesus, uh, little Weakum took his bath last night without screaming or struggling, yeah, because his mother had promised him that he would uh, take his toy cat to bed with him. Oh, good. My cat's clawing at the couch. Thanks, buddy. Such a condition of affairs is awful for any Agua to think of, and the only way we can direct the naughty actions of children is to take this person, Claws, away from him. Yeah, good! Exclamation point. Good! Exclamation point. Yeah, cried the big Aguas in a chorus, and they clapped their hands to applaud the speech of the king. Yeah, what, should, yeah, what, should we do, what should we do with them? Asked one of the creatures. Oh, oh, I have a plan, replied the wicked king. And what his plan was, you will soon discover. Oh, boy, I can't wait. The next night, uh, Claus went to bed feeling very happy, uh, for he had completed no less than four pretty toys uh, during the day. And they were sure, he thought, to make four little children happy. But while he slept, the band of invisible aguas surrounded his bed, bound him with stout cords, and then flew away uh, with him to the middle of a dark forest uh, in a far-off Ethop, where they, they laid him down and, and left him. And when the morning came, Claus found himself thousands of miles away from any human being, a prisoner in the wild jungle of an unknown land. Uh, from the limb of a tree above his head swayed a, uh, a huge python, one of those reptiles that are able to, uh, you know, crush a man's bones in their coils. A few yards away crouched a savage panther, uh, its 
glaring red eyes fixed full on the helpless claws. Are their eyes red? One of these monstrous spotted spiders, whose sting as death crept stealthily toward him over the matted leaves, which shriveled and turned black at his very touch, clearly doesn't like the jungle. I'm just waiting for something racist to be said at this point. But claws had been reared in Burzee and uh, was not afraid. They, uh, come to me, ye nooks of the forest, he cried and gave the low, peculiar whistle that the nooks know. And the panther, which is about to spring upon his victim, had turned nah, and slunk away. Uh, the python swung itself to a tree and uh, disappeared among the leaves. The, the spider stopped short in its advance and hid beneath a, a rotting log. Claus had no time to notice them, for he was surrounded by a band of harsh, harsh-featured nooks, more crooked and deformed in appearance than any he had ever seen. Eh, who are you? Yeah, that call on us, demanded one in a gruff voice. Ah, uh, the friend of your brothers in Burzee, answered Claus. I have been brought here by my enemies, the Aguas, and left to perish miserably. Yet now I employ your help to release me, to send me, uh, send me home again. Eh, have you the, the sign? asked another. Yes, said Claus. Ah, they cut his ponds, and with his free arms, they made a secret sign of the nooks. Instantly, they assisted him to stand upon his feet, and they brought him food and drink to strengthen him. Our brothers of Burzee make uh, queer friends, grumbled an ancient nook, whose flowing beard was pure white. Uh, but he knows our secret sign and signal is, is entitled to our help. Whoever he may be, close your eyes, stranger, and we will conduct you to your home. Uh, where shall we seek it? So if you know a secret sign... You instantly get help. It's uh, it's like being a Freemason. Oh, oh! I've heard the stories. Uh, you could be trapped in the middle of some random country, like, like Basque, and then you can just give a guy a secret sign and go, "Oh, yeah, yeah, part of the Brotherhood." Here's my Cadillac, which can fly you back to America. Tis in the Laughing Valley, Hansel Claus, shutting his eyes shutting his eyes. But there is one laughing valley in the known world, so we cannot go astray, remarked the Nook. As he spoke, the sound of his voice seemed to die away, so Claus opened his eyes to see what caused the change. Why did he close his eyes? To his astonishment, he found himself seated on a bench uh, by his own door, with the laughing valley spread out before him. Uh, that day he visited the wood nymphs and related his adventure to Queen Zerline and Nassil. Eh, uh, the Aguas have Become your enemies, said the lovely queen thoughtfully. Eh, so he asked, uh, I'll do what can to protect you uh, from their uh, power. I was cowardly to bind him while he slept, remarked the seal with indignation. Oh, oh, the evil ones are ever cowardly, answered Zerline. But our friend's slumber shall not be disturbed again. Now the queen herself came to the dwelling of Claus that evening and placed her seal on every door and window to keep out the Aguas. And under the seal of Queen Zerline was placed the, the seal of the fairies, uh, the seal of the seal of Riles, and the seal of the nooks. That the charm might become more powerful. And Claus carried his toys to the children again and made uh, many more of the little ones happy. Oh, you may guess how angry the King Agua and his fierce band were when it was known to them that Claus had escaped from the forest of Ethop. They raged. Oh, madly for a whole week. 
and then held another meeting among the rocks. That's useless to carry him where the nooks reign, said the king, for he has their protection. So let us cast him uh, into a cave of our own mountains, where he will surely perish. This was promptly agreed to, and the wicked band set out that night to seize Claus. But they found his dwelling guarded by the seals of the immortals and were obliged to go away baffled and disappointed. Eh, eh, never mind, said the king. He does not uh, sleep always. Next day, as Claus traveled to the village across the plain where he intended to present his toy squirrel uh, to a lame boy, he was suddenly set upon by the Aguas, who seized him and carried him away to the mountains. There they thrust him within a deep cavern and rolled many huge rocks against the entrance to prevent his escape, uh, deprived thus of light and food, and uh, with little air to breathe. Our Claus was indeed in a pitiful plight, but he spoke the mystic words of the fairies, which always commanded their friendly aid, and they came to his rescue and transported him to the Laughing Valley in a twinkling of an eye. Thus, the Aguas discovered they might not destroy one who had earned the friendship of the immortals, so the evil band sought other means of keeping Claus from bringing happiness to children and so making them obedient. Whatever, Why would they steal him if they already have seen the signs on the doors and windows of all of his buddies? Kind of can't go, can't put him anywhere without one of his buddies being able to get at him and bring him home again. What are they doing? Whatever Claus set out to carry his toys, the little ones in Agua, who had been set to watch his movements, sprang upon him and snatched the toy from his grasp, and the children were no more disappointed than they were Claus, but was obliged to return home uh, disconsolate. Still, he persevered and made many toys for his little friends and started with them for the villages, and always the Aguas robbed him as soon as he had left the valley. They threw the stolen playthings into one of their lonely ca uh, caverns, and uh, quite a heap of toys accumulated before Claus became discouraged and gave up all attempts to leave the valley. Then uh, children began coming to him, since they found he did not go to them, uh, but the wicked Aguas flew around them and caused their steps to stray and the paths to become crooked, so never a little one could find the way to the Laughing Valley. Lonely days now fell upon Claus. What, because you don't have access to the neighborhood's children anymore? Uh, for he was denied the pleasure of bringing happiness to the children whom he had learned to love. Yet he bore up bravely, for he thought surely the time would come when the Aguas would abandon their evil designs to injure him. Well, he devoted all his hours to toy making, and then when one plaything had been uh, completed, he stood it on a shelf he had built for that purpose. Uh, when the shelf became filled with rows of toys, uh, he made another one and filled that also, so that in time he had many shelves filled with gay and beautiful toys representing horses, uh, dogs, uh, cats, uh, elephants, of course, lambs, uh, rabbits, and uh, uh, deer, as well as pretty dolls of all sizes and balls and marbles of uh, baked clay painted in gay colors. Often, as he glanced at this array of childish treasures, the heart of good old Claus became sad. Oh, so greatly did he long to carry the toys to his children that at last, because he couldn't bear it no longer, he ventured to go to the great Ack whom he told the story of his persecution by the Aguas and, and begged the Master Woodsman to assist him. Part 7. The Great Battle Between Good and Evil Ack 
listened gravely to the recital of Claus, stroking his beard the, why, uh, the while with slow, graceful motion that betokened deep thought. Ah, uh, he nodded approvingly when Claus told him how the nooks and the fairies had saved him from death, and oh, and frowned when he heard how the Aguas had stolen the children's toys. At last he said, From the beginning, I have approved the work you are doing among the children of men. And uh, that annoys me that your good deeds should be thwarted by the Aguas. Yeah, we immortals have no connection whatsoever with the evil creatures who have attacked you. Always, uh, eh, we've avoided them. And uh, they, in turn, have Hithro eh, taken care not to cross our pathway. But in this matter, I find they have interfered with one of our friends. And I will ask them to abandon their persecutions, as you are under our protection. Yeah, Claus thanked the Master Woodsman uh, most gratefully and returned to his valley while Ak who never delayed carrying out his promises, had once traveled to the mountains of the Aguas. There, standing on the bare rocks, he called the king uh, and his people to appear. Instantly, all the place was filled with throngs of scowling Aguas, and their king, perching himself on a point of rock, demanded fiercely, Hey, hey who dares call on us? Uh, it's I, uh, the master woodsman of, uh, of the world, responded Ak. Ah, there's no forest for you to claim, cried the king angrily. We owe no allegiance to you, nor to any immortal. Ah, that's true, replied Ack calmly. Yet you have ventured to interfere with the actions of, uh, of Claus, who dwells in the Laughing Valley and is under our protection. Well, many of the Aguas began muttering at this speech, and their king turned uh, threateningly on the master woodsman. Ah, you're, you're set to rule the forest, uh, but the plains and the valleys are ours, he shouted. Uh, keep to your own dark woods, and we will do as we please with claws. Oh, oh, you shall not harm our friend in any way, replied Ack. Uh, shall we not? Yes, asked the king, imprudently. Uh, you will see, our powers are vastly superior to those of mortals. Yeah, because they live a whole hundred years, and fully as great as those of, uh, of immortals. It is, uh, it's your conceit that misleads you, said Ack sternly. You are, a uh, a transient race passing from this life into nothingness. We who live forever uh, pity but despise you. On earth you are scorned by all, and in heaven you have no place. Even the mortals, uh, after their earth life, uh, enter another existence for all time, and so are your superiors. Uh, how then dare you, who are neither mortal nor immortal, refuse to obey my wish? Well, the Aguas sprang to their feet with menacing gestures. <laughs> what does that look like? A lot of raising their fists and shaking it quietly but angrily. Uh, but their king, Burp, motioned them back. Never before, cried uh, he cried to Ack, while his voice trembled with rage, as an immortal declared himself the master of the Aguas. Never shall an immortal venture to interfere with our actions again, for we shall avenge your scornful words by uh, killing your friend, Claus, within uh, uh, three days. Nor you, nor all the immortals, can save him from our wrath. We defy your powers. Be gone, Master Woodsman of the world! Exclamation point. In the country of the Aguas, you have no place. Oh, it is war! Exclamation point, declared Ack with flashing eyes. It is war! Exclamation point, returned the king, savagely. In three days, your friend will be dead. It's getting really repetitive. 
The master turned away and came to his forest of Burzee, where he called a meeting of the immortals and told them of the defiance of the Aguas and their purpose to kill Claus within three days. Oh, the little folk listened to him quietly. Eh, what shall we do? asked Ack. Oh, great. He just went to war. And now he comes back and goes, well, I don't know what to do. <laughs> so these creatures are of no benefit to the world, said the prince of the Nooks. We must destroy them. Uh, their lives are devoted only to evil deeds, said the prince of the Riles. We must destroy them. They have no conscience and endeavor to make all mortals as bad as themselves, said the queen of the uh, fairies. We must destroy them. They have defied the great Ack. And threaten the life of our adopted son, said the beautiful queen, Zerline. Uh, we must destroy them. The master woodsman smiled. It's <laughs> creepy. Uh, you speak well, said he. Uh, these Aguas we know to be a powerful race, and they will fight desperately. Yet the outcome is certain. For we who can live, uh, who can never die, even though conquered by our enemies, uh, while every Agua who is struck down is one foe, uh, the less to oppose us. Prepare then for our battle, and let us resolve to show no mercy nah, to the wicked. Thus arose that terrible war between the immortals and the spirits of evil, which is sung of in fairyland to this very day. So I guess it turned out that uh, they all were fine, because there's, it's still sung of in fairyland, so they must have won. I just gave away the whole story. Might as well stop reading. The King Agua and his band determined to carry out the threat to destroy Claus. Uh, they now hated him for two reasons. Ah, he made children happy and was a friend of the Master Woodsman. But since Axe visit, they had no reason to fear the opposition of the Immortals, and they dreaded defeat. So the King sent uh, swift messengers to all parts of the world and summoned every evil creature to his aid. And on the third day after the declaration of war, a mighty army was at the command of the King Agua. There were 300 Asiatic dragons, breathing fire that consumed everything it touched. Uh, these hated mankind and uh, in all good spirits. And there were the three-eyed giants of Tattery, a host in themselves who liked nothing better uh, ha than to fight. And next came the black demons from Patalonia with great spreading wings. Like uh, like those of a of a of a bat, which swept terror and misery through the world as they beat upon the air. And joined to these were the Goozle Goblins. Oh, that's a special breed of goblin with long talons and as sharp as sharp as sharp as swords, <laughs> sharp as swords, with which they clawed the flesh from their foes. Finally, every mountain Agua in the world had come to participate in the great battle with the immortals. The king Agua ah, looked around upon his vast army, and his uh, his heart beat high uh, with wicked pride, for he believed he would surely triumph over his gentle enemies who had never before known, been known to fight. But the master woodsman, oh, oh, had not been idle. None of his people uh, was used to war for it. Yet now that they were called upon to face the hosts of evil, they willingly prepared uh, for the fray. Ack had commanded them to assemble in the Laughing Valley, where Claus, ignorant of the terrible battle that was to be waged on his account, was quietly making his toys. Mm -hmm. Soon the entire valley, from the hill to the hill, uh, was filled with the little immortals. Uh, the master woodsman stood first, bearing a gleaming axe that shone like burnished silver. Next came the riles, armed with sharp thorns uh, from bramble bushes. Then the nooks, uh, bearing the spears, 
they used when they were forced to prod their savage beasts into submission. Uh, the fairies, uh, dressed in white gauze with rainbow-hued wings. Oh, they sound super threatening. Bore golden wands. Yeah, this isn't. And the wood nymphs, in their uniforms of oak leaf green, carried switches from Ash Trace's weapons. <laughs> you mean the thing that people used to whip kids' butts with as punishment? Loud laughed the Agua King when he beheld the size and the arms of his foes. To be sure, the mighty axe of woodsmen was to be dreaded, but the sweet-faced nymphs and the pretty fairies, gentle riles and crooked nooks were such harmless folk that he almost felt shame at having called such a terrible host to oppose them. Since these fools dare fight, he said to the leader of the Tartary Giants, I will uh, overwhelm them with with our evil powers. Exclamation point. To begin the battle, he poised, poised a great stone in his left hand and cast it full against the sturdy form of the master woodsman, who turned it aside ah, with his axe. Boom. Then rushed the three-eyed giants of Tartary uh, upon the nooks, and the goose goblins upon the riles, and the fire-breathing dragons upon the sweet fairies, because the nymphs were axe-owned people, and the band of Aguas sought them out, thinking to overcome them with ease. Uh, but it is the law that while evil, unopposed, may accomplish terrible deeds, the powers of good can never be overthrown when opposed to evil. Well, it had been for the King Agua that he had known the law. His ignorance cost him his existence. For one flash of the axe borne by the master woodsman of the world cleft the wicked king in twain and rid the earth of the vilest creature it contained. Well, they just keep electing a new king every year, so what does it matter? Greatly marveled the Tartary giants when the spears of the little nooks pierced the thick walls of flesh and sent them reeling to the ground with howls of agony. Woe came upon the sharp-taloned goblins when the thorns of the riles reached their savage hearts and let their lifeblood sprinkle on the plate. Jeez. And afterward, from every drop, a thistle grew. Now, that's a nice little upside to that part. Uh, the dragons paused, astonished, before the fairy wands, from whence rushed a power that uh, caused their fiery breasts to flow back on themselves so that they shriveled, uh, shriveled away and died. So, I guess for a dragon to breathe fire on itself is no different than a human pooping on himself. As for the Aguas, they had a scant time to realize how they were destroyed, for the ash switches of the nymphs bore a eh, charm unknown to any Agua and turned their foes into clods of earth at the slightest touch. When Ackler leaned upon his gleaming axe and turned to look over the field of the battle, he saw the few giants who were able to run disappearing over the distant hills of their return to Tartary. Uh, The goblins had perished, nigh every one, as had the terrible dragons while all that remained of the wicked Aguas was a great number of earthen hillocks dotting the plain. And now the immortals melted from the valley like, uh, like dew at sunrise uh, to resume their duties in the forest while Ack walked slowly and thoughtfully to the house of Claus had entered. Did Claus not notice any of this going on in his valley outside his door? You have many toys ready for the children, said the woodsman, and now you may carry them across the plain to the dwellings and the villages without fear. Will not the Aguas harm you? He has no idea that there's an entire battle (laughs) that happened out there. Will not the Aguas harm me? Asked Claus eagerly. Uh, The Aguas, said Ack, have perished. 
Now I will gladly have done with the wicked spirits, with the fighting and the bloodshed. It was not from choice that I told of the Aguas and their alleys. Alleys? Allies? Eh, back alley Aguas. And their great battle with the immortals. They were part of this history and could not be avoided. And here I'm going to take a minute to remind you that I am severely single. And uh, I'm going to force you to imagine that you are dating me. And that I've taken you out for a a mildly appropriate dinner at uh, Olive Garden or something along those lines. And and then uh, afterwards I've taken you to uh, uh, my uncle's house where we sit in the basement. And I turn on the one naked light bulb over our head and I, and I whisper to you about a new book coming up called Special Op Seduction. Uh, it's by Megan Crane. Uh, about Special Op Seduction? Nah, she's the last woman uh, he ever wanted to see again. After an official operation turned deadly, Jonas Crow began a, a new life in Grizzly Harbor with Alaska Force. But when fellow soldier Betherin Wilcox joins the group, she forces him to remember things he actively prefers to forget. That's unforgivable enough, but now the two of them are forced together on a, on a mission to uncover deadly secrets tied to their complicated past. With the, with the heat between them and a boil, forgiveness is the least of his worries and the only woman he needs. Beth Wilcox, uh, one of the first women to make it through uh, Army Ranger School, uh, didn't join Alaska Force to deal with Jonas's foul temper. On her own errant attraction to him, thrown together in a race against the clock, they have to pretend uh, to be a couple oh, and to play nice and to throw the enemy off their scent. Uh, she knows better than to let their pretend love feel real, dot, 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 especially while time is running out. Jonas... He's always been good at saving the world, but it's Bethan he needs to save this time around if she doesn't save him first. Eh, that sounds highly erotic. When's this come out? January 12th, 2021. Uh, The cover looks uh, sexy. Uh, Got some mountain ranges and uh, a nice little flowery field and and a woman. Uh, wearing a, a tight sweater with a V-neck, uh, showing a little clavage, and she's holding a gun. And the guy's just kind of standing behind her, looking all sweaty. Uh, so just gather up your money and, uh, spend it on that. Now let's get back to the story. Part 8. The First Journey with the Reindeer Wow, those were happy days for Claus, when he carried his accumulation of toys to the children who had awaited them for so long. Uh, during his imprisonment in the valley, he had been so industrious that all the shelves were filled with playthings. And after quickly supplying the little ones living nearby, when he saw the message now extended his travels uh, to wider fields, he's got to get at more kids. Remembering the time when he had journeyed with Ack through all the world, he, he, he no children were everywhere. 
Yep, he knew children were everywhere. He longed to make as many as possible happy with his gifts. It's like this paragraph was poorly translated. So he loaded a, a great sack with all kinds of toys, slung it upon his back that he might carry it more easily, and started off on a longer trip than he had yet undertaken. Wherever he had showed his merry face, in hamlet or in farmhouse, he received a cordial welcome, for his fame had spread into far lands. At each village the children swarmed about him, following his footsteps wherever he went, and the women, uh, the women thanked him gratefully for the joy he brought their little ones, and the men looked upon him curiously, of course, yes, someone should finally look at him curiously, <laughs> that he should devote his such time to a queer occupation as toy-making. Not the kids' part, just the toy-making. But everyone smiled on him and gave him kindly words, and Claus felt amply repaid for his long journey. Now, when the sack was empty, they went back again to Laugh Valley, and once more filled it to the brim. Now, this time he followed another road into a different part of the country and carried happiness to many children who never before had owned a toy or guessed that such a delightful thing existed. After a third journey, uh, so far away that Claus was many days walking in the distance, the store of toys became exhausted, and without delay he set about uh, making a fresh supply. From seeing so many children and studying their tastes, he had acquired several new ideas about toys. Uh, the dollies were, he had found, the most delightful of all the playthings for babies and uh, little girls, and often those who could not say dolly, in quotes, uh, would call for a doll in their sweet baby talk. <laughs> so Claus resolved to make many dolls of all sizes and dress them in bright uh, colored clothing. The older boys, uh, even some of the girls, loved the images of animals. So he still made cats and elephants and horses, and uh, many of the little fellows had musical natures and longed for drums uh, and cymbals and uh, whistles uh, and horns. So he made a number of uh, toy drums with tiny sticks to beat them with, ha ha ha, and he made whistles uh, for the willow trees, and uh, horns for the bog reeds, and cymbals from bits of uh, beaten metal. Alice kept him busily at work, and before he realized it, the winter season came, with deeper snows than usual. Eddie knew he could not leave the valley uh, with his heavy pack, moreover, the next trip would take him farther from home than, uh, than every before. I'm not mispronouncing... I do that a lot, but this is just... Something's going on with this book all of a sudden. And Jack Frost was mischievous. Enough to, <laughs> to... To nip his nose and ears if he undertook the long journey while the Frost King reigned. Ah, the Frost King was Jack's father uh, and never reproved him for his pranks. <laughs> so Claus remained at his uh, workbench, but he whistled and sang as merrily as ever, for he would allow no disappointment to sour his temper or make him unhappy. And one bright morning, he looked from his window and saw two of the deer he had known in the forest uh, walking toward his house. Uh, Claus was surprised, uh, not the friendly deer should visit him, but that they, they walked on the surface of the snow. Oh, oh, as easily as if it were solid ground, notwithstanding the fact that throughout the valley the snow lay many feet deep. He had walked out of his house uh, a day or two before and had sunk uh, to his armpits uh, in a drift. Burp. So when the deer came near the open door and called to them, uh, Good morning, Flossie. Uh -huh. uh, tell me how you're able to walk on the snow so easily. Uh, it's frozen hard, answered Flossie. 
Yeah, the Frost Kings breathed on it, said Glossy. Really? Coming up, and the surface now is solid as ice. Yeah, perhaps, remarked Claus, thoughtfully. I might now carry my pack of toys to the children. Yeah, it's a, is, it a, is it a long journey? asked Flossie. Yes. It will take me many days, for the pack is heavy, answered Claus. And when the snow would melt before you could get back, said the deer, you must wait until spring, Claus. That Claus sighed. Uh, had I your fleet feet, <laughs> said he, I could make the journey in a day. Uh, but, you, but you have not, returned Glossy, looking at his own slender legs with pride. <laughs> Perhaps I could ride upon your back, uh, Claus ventured to remark after a pause. Oh, oh, no, no. Our backs are not strong enough to bear, uh, uh, your weight, said Flossie decidedly. But if you, if you had a sledge, now you could harness it onto us, and uh, it might draw you easily, and your pack as well. Uh, I'll make a sledge, exclamation point, exclaimed Claus. Uh, will you agree to draw me if I do? They just said that. Uh, well, replied Flossie, we must first, uh, go, uh, and ask the Nooks who are guardians, for permission. But if they consent, and you can make a sledge and, uh, and a harness, uh, we will gladly assist you. Uh, then go at once, cried Claus eagerly. I am sure the friendly nooks will give their consent, and by the time you are back, I will be ready to harness you to my sledge. It's starting to get kind of weird. Flossy and Glossy, two highly uncreative names, uh, being deer of much intelligence, had long wished to see the great world, and go to college. So they gladly ran over the frozen snow to ask the nooks if they might carry Claus on his journey. Meantime, the toy maker hurriedly began his construction of a sledge. Using material from his wood pile, he made two long runners that turned upward at the front ends and across these nailed short boards uh, to, make a, to make a platform, and it was soon completed, but was as rude in appearance as it is possible for a sledge to be. The harness was more difficult to prepare, but Claus twisted strong cords together and knotted them so that they would fit around the necks of the deer in the shape of a collar. And from these ran other cords to fasten the deer to the front of the sledge. Before the work was completed, uh, Glossy and uh, Flossy were back from the forest, having been granted permission by Will Nook to make the journey with Claus, provided that they would uh, that they would to Burzee by daybreak the next morning. Yeah, it's not a very long time, said Flossie, but we are swift and strong, and if we get started by this evening, we can travel uh, many miles during the night. Yeah, Claus decided to make the attempt, so he hurried on his preparations as fast as possible, and after a time, he fastened the collars around the necks of the steeds and harnessed them to his rude sledge. Why does he keep pointing out this sledge's crap? Then he placed a stool on the little platform to serve as a seat and uh, filled a sack with the prettiest toys. Oh, how do you intend to guide us? Asked Flossie. We, oh, we've never been out of the forest before except to visit your house, so we shall not know uh, the way. I read that really creepy. Claus thought about that for a moment, and then he brought more cords and fastened two of them to the spreading antlers of each deer, uh, one on the right, uh, the other on the left. Uh, oh, those will be my reins, said Claus. This is, it's not just me reading it creepy. It's just coming off creepy. And when I pull them to the right or to the left, you must go in that direction. If I, if I do not pull the reins at all, you may go straight ahead. Oh, oh, very well, answered Glossy and Flossy. And when they asked, are you, are you, are you ready? 
Claws seated himself upon the stool, placed the sack of toys at his feet, and then gathered up the reins. All ready, he shouted. Away we go. And then that's probably the point when the deer sadly realized, oh, we're actually delivering toys. Okay. The deer leaned forward, lifting their slender limbs, and the next moment flew away the sledge over the frozen snow. The swiftness of the motion surprised Claws, for in a few strides they were across the valley and gliding over the broad plain beyond. Uh, the day had melted into evening by the time they started, for swiftly uh, as Claws had worked, many hours had been consumed in the making of his preparations. But the moon shone brightly uh, to light their way, and Claws soon decided that it was as uh, pleasant as travel as uh, night as by day. Well, the deer liked it better, for although they wished to see something of the world, they were timid about meeting men, and now all the dwellers in the town's farmhouses were sound asleep. You could not see them. Oh, away and away they sped, on and on, over the hills, through the valleys, and across the plains, till they reached the village where Claus had never been before. Oh, a whole bunch of kids he's never had access to yet. Here he called on them to stop, and they immediately obeyed. But a new difficulty now presented itself, for the people had uh, locked their doors, yeah, to keep people like him out. Uh, and they went to bed. And Claus found he could not enter the house uh, to leave his toys. I am afraid, my friends, that we have made our journey for nothing, said he, for I shall be obliged to carry my playthings back home again without giving them to the children of this village. Uh, uh, what's the matter? asked Flossie. Uh, the, the doors are locked, answered Claus. I cannot get in. Yeah, Glossy looked around at the houses. Uh, the snow was quite deep in that village, and just before them uh, was a roof only uh, a few feet high above the sledge. A broad chimney, which seemed to, to Glossy big enough to admit Claus, was at the peak of the roof. Why don't you, uh, why don't you climb down that chimney? Ha <laughs> asked Glossy. Yeah, Claus looked at it. That'd be easy enough if they're on top of the roof, he answered. Then hold fast and we will take you there, said the deer as they gave one bound to the roof and landed beside the big chimney. Good, ha ha, cried Claus, well pleased, and he slung his pack of toys over his shoulder and got into the chimney. There was plenty of soot on the bricks, and he did not mind that, and by placing his hands and knees against the sides, he crept downward until he had reached the fireplace, leaping lightly over the smoldering coals. He found himself in a large sitting room where dim light was burning. Uh, from this room, two doorways led into smaller chambers. In one, a woman lay asleep, uh, with a baby beside her in a crib. Yeah, Claus laughed, but he did not laugh aloud for fear of waking the baby. Then he slipped a big doll from his pack and laid it in the crib. Oh, the little one smiled, as if he dreamed of the pretty plaything it was to find on the morrow. And Claus uh, crept softly from the room and entered at the other doorway. Ah... Here were two boys fast asleep with their arms around each other's neck. What? Claus gazed at them lovingly a moment and then placed upon the bed a drum, uh, and two horns, and a wooden elephant. He did not linger now that his work in this house was done, but climbed the chimney again and seated himself on the sledge. Uh, can, can you find another chimney? He asked the reindeer. Oh, Easily enough, replied Glossy to Flossie. And down the edge of the roof they raced, and then, without pausing, leapt through the air ah, to the top of the next building, ah, where a huge old-fashioned chimney stood. Oh, don't be so long this time, called Flossie. <laughs> or we'll never get back to the forest by daybreak. Ah, Claus made a trip down the chimney uh, also and found five children sleeping in the house, all of whom were quickly supplied with toys. 
Uh, when he returned, the deer sprang to the next roof and on descending the chimney claws found no children there at all. Uh, that was not often the case in this village, however, so he lost less time than you might suppose in visiting dreary homes uh, where there were no little ones. <laughs> Ouch. That's got to suck for people that can't have kids. Nice story. When he had climbed down the chimneys of all the houses uh, in that village and had left a toy for every sleeping child, Claus found that his great sack was not yet half empty. Onward, friends, he called to the deer. We must seek another village. So away they dashed, although it was long past midnight, and in a surprisingly short amount of time they came to a large city, uh, the largest Claus had ever visited since he began to make toys, but nothing daunted by the throng of houses. Uh, he set to work at once, and his beautiful steeds carried him rapidly from one roof to another, only the highest being beyond the leaps of his agile deer. Oh, the deer have limits? Hmm, amazing. At last, the supply of toy was ex toys was exhausted, and Claus seated himself in the sledge uh, with the empty sack at his feet and turned the heads of Glossie and Flossie toward home. Presently, Flossie asked, uh, What's that? What's that great streak in the sky? Uh, it's, a, it's a coming of dawn of day, answered Claus, surprised to find that it was so late. Ah, good gracious, exclaimed Glossie. Uh, then we shall not be home by daybreak, and the and the nooks, they will punish us and never let us come again. <laughs> we must race for the Laughing Valley and make our best speed, returned Flossie. So hold fast, friend Claus. Oh, Claus held fast, and the next moment was flying so swiftly over the snow that he could not see the trees as they whirled past. Uphill and down dale, swift as an arrow shot from the bow they dashed and Claus shut his eyes to keep the wind out of them and uh, let the deer find their own way home. It seemed to him they were yeah, plunging through space, yeah, but not at all afraid. The nooks were severe masters, but must be obeyed at all hazards. I can't stop reading anything involving the deer. Really creepy. And the gray streak in the sky was growing brighter every moment. Finally, the sledge came to a sudden stopping. Claus who was taken unawares, stumbled from his seat onto a snowdrift. As he packed himself up, he heard the, the deer crying, Hey, quick, friend, quick, cut away our harness. And he drew his knife and rapidly severed the cords, and when he wiped the moisture from his eyes and, and looked around him. The sledge had come uh, to a stop in the Laughing Valley only a few feet. Uh, he found from his own door, in the east the day was breaking and turning to the edge of Berzee. He saw a glossy, and Flossie just disappearing into the forest. Well, that seems like a good enough place to stop. Uh, why is this book going on for so long? I want to be done with it, uh, but I've already hit an hour and haven't finished the second half of Manhood. So it's going to have to get squeezed into a third part. And it's not like we're learning anything exciting. Uh, he still loves giving toys to kids, which should be alarming to most parents. Uh, by anyone's standard. Doesn't matter what year or what country you're from, just having this guy floating around constantly giving stuff to your kid and, and then kissing him. It's just weird. Uh, then, rightly... Uh, some group of hundred-year-old men decide to go and do something about it. 
uh, get this creep off the streets. So they try to whisk him away to a forest, and they describe that forest as being disturbing. And then he gets away from that because he's got the inside handshake, and he learns uh, how to get back home. And then they try to take him to a cave, but, you know, he's got more friends uh, in high places, the fairies. They show up in the caves, and they get him back home. And then they realize, wow, we're going to have to go to war to get this pervert off the streets. But uh, the old woodsman, which is also a term that's disturbing, if you know anything about certain industries... Uh, he says, now, nah, I'm going to kill all of you to keep this pervert on the streets. So they do that, and, uh, of course, uh, the gentle woods folk win. And so now the Agwas aren't a problem anymore. That's just done. And that just leaves this guy free to start mass-producing toys, because, oh, he's got he's to get all those kids. There's kids out there in the world he's never kissed. So, strikes up a deal with the reindeer, which got kind of weird, and then uh, flew around the countryside, and uh, people, wanting to keep perverts out of their house, uh, locked the doors. So what does he do? He slides in through the chimney, and somehow he's a hero. So he looks upon people as they sleep, and just smiles disgustingly to himself, and leaves them little toys, and then disappears up the chimney again. And then he looks down on people that can't have kids, Oh, what a dead, disgusting, gross home. You don't have any children for me to kiss in them. So, um, then he gets back home, and that's the end of the story. Uh, what's good about this? Uh, the Agwas, so far, I find to be the most sympathetic characters in this story. Uh, they're just trying to keep some sort of sense of law and order around this, uh, wasteland of humans ignoring their kids, giving the kids pebbles to play with and stuff. Uh, what sucks? Santa sucks. This is not the life of Santa. He was a real man that died over France in 1943 uh, during one of the German bombings. Uh, we celebrate his life and his gifts. This is just a, a weird fetish story. What do we learn? Well, from any point of view, anyone's a hero, even the worst people. So, I guess that's it. Uh, with that, uh, thanks for listening, and I would like to personally apologize to you for the nature of this story, and also that it's just dragging on forever. Uh, so, I guess I'll pick up where I left off next week, and probably not finish it then either. I'm gonna run out of author facts pretty soon. But at least I got a warm house. That's one upside. I'm sitting here in a nice warm house. I'm not wearing a, a giant snuggly. This thing a friend of mine told me to buy. It looks like a giant hoodie. It's lined with all sorts of stuff in it. And uh, you wear it for a while and you just sweat a lot. Turns out you don't sweat a lot when your house is like 40 degrees. But, uh, so, oh, can you hear it? It just kicked in. Do you hear that white noise? That's my heat. Listen to it. Yeah, with that, thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Ah, uh, well, it appears you found me in the part of the podcast I hate the most, where I tell you all about the places on the internet where you can find me. You can tell I hate this because of the sound effects making it sound like a stormy night uh, in the drawing room of the damned. Now, there's there's that. Uh, uh, I, are you cool? I like cool people. 
It's the reason why I got involved in this business to begin with, just to meet cool people, not losers. So if you're cool, uh, feel free to go over to my website, uh, nuzzlehouse.com. You can see a backlog of everything I've ever read, uh, along with episodes from the Book Boys and uh, blah, blah, blah. You can also find me on Instagram, uh, which is uh, House Nuzzle. And conveniently enough, uh, Twitter, which is also at House Nuzzle. Annoyingly, YouTube made me pick a name instead of just a House Nuzzle. So I got Glenn Nuzzles. So I guess you search for that if you want to watch a screen that doesn't do anything and just hear my voice. Uh, and since, uh, since I think you might be cool, you can always just email me directly. Glenn.Nuzzles at gmail.com. But don't, uh, don't email if you're a, a nerdlinger or a dork. Now, back to business. I can't believe I drank all of them already. There's got to be one left.